0: Listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli.
1: Hello, master daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when
2: you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm Lauren.
1: And we're your resident best friends here to help you along your relationship journey.
2: Think of us as your best friends slash fun fairies, bringing joy to the process and sprinkling love dust all over the place because it takes a village to date, guys, and we are your community.
1: And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend.
2: Don't forget to spread the word. It shows that we have a loyal and growing audience so that we can bring you fabulous offers and it keeps the lights on for us to keep running the show and contributing to the dating village. All right. Well, cuffing season is upon us. We know we're already seeing Christmas decorations everywhere and Halloween hasn't even hit yet. But we talk about this dating trend every year. Um, It's, you know, the season where people go and meet up with someone else and get into a relationship quick because they want to be with someone during the holiday season to cuddle and be cozy with. But we feel like, you know, how the heck are people going to cuff when everyone's like afraid of contaminating themselves? (laughs) Do we think that there's going to be like less relationships because of this pandemic? Like, because all the things that have to happen in order to do that right like you've got to first you've got to take a test and then you've got to quarantine and then you can partner up like once you're safe but like is that going to impede this from happening are there going to be less relationships due to cuffing season or do we think that the daters of the world have found their footing during the pandemic we do facetime dates now and you know Maybe there will still be cuffing relationships, but it will just happen in a different way because people are starting to get smart. They're finding their footing and they're going to make some new dating trends that we think are a smarter, more efficient way of dating.
1: People are definitely dating smarter now because they don't have time to waste on potential partners that are not worth the measures that need to be taken to get close with somebody during these times. And actually, we've seen a lot of relationships come out of it this whole year. It's basically been like, quarantine season that has resulted in relationships because people don't want to be alone for that amount of time. And it's like an extension of cuffing season. We're excited to talk about what dating smarter, not harder looks like with dating coach and speaker Elliot Davis, as we figure out how to date like a dang genius, why falling in love is easy, but staying in love is the hard part and why he thinks amazing women settle for anything less than an amazing man.
2: Elliot Davis is a values-based relationship coach and knows that love is hard. He knows that it hurts, frustrates, and disappoints sometimes. Through the ups and downs of trial and error, he also knows how overwhelmingly and ridiculously amazing love can be. He's finally found what it takes to make love last and his relationship methods have benefited men and women all over the world. He wants to empower you with the tools and insights to fall in love and stay in love with the best partner for you.
1: Well, he just sounds like a great little gift that we're giving everybody. He once considered himself a wolf in sheep's clothing when it came to dating and relationships. Now he's shed the wolfy parts in order to embrace a more value-centric loving side and is here to help all the little red riding hoods who need some guidance. Welcome to the show, Elliot.
0: Oh, thank you for having me.
2: All right, Elliot. So first off, you are single, taken, or it's complicated?
0: I am taken. Very taken.
2: (laughs) All right. So, what is your current relationship?
0: So, I am married. I still, I still qualify as a newlywed. Actually, I've been married since May.
2: Oh, great! Congratulations. Yeah. How did you guys meet?
0: Thank you very much. We met on a dating app, actually, in Korea. Ooh. What? Yeah. So, so, so uh, we were both using Coffee Meets Bagel, and uh, through Coffee Meets Bagel we we met actually she's very proud to say that she uh swiped on me first so I was able to see through coffee me spagel that she was interested and then from there it was a no-brainer for me we met up on our first day of chatting and then again probably two days later and yeah the rest is the rest of the story so
1: love that also the fact that you guys met there through like basically an American app is that something mm-hmm. that's prevalent in Korea that people use that particular app or just all of them?
0: So I think it's getting more and more prevalent, actually. Um, So for the last few years, I've been in Korea for for four years now. And when I first got here, they weren't at all very common, especially um, around kind of Korean men and women. But now it's getting more popular. Of course, there are some Korean specific apps, but apps like Tinder coffee, meat, bagel, hinge are still pretty popular here.
1: Awesome. And what brought you out to Korea? We need to get to the bottom of that.
0: (laughs) So I came to Seoul for work, actually. So after getting my MBA in the States, I was hired by a technology company here um, to work in their internal strategy group. So that brought me to Seoul. And then I've, I've shifted my role a little bit um, since then in the company and uh, i'm still based in seoul and uh, working to help promote diversity and inclusion in korea um, and uh, leadership development for some of our global managers and executives
2: wow that sounds super important but also equally as important as finding love and the help that you do in that uh area with your Coaching and speaking, and you know, you're in like a whole different culture than you were born in America. I'm uh-huh. So how now? I'm sure there's a lot of cultural differences, like you just pointed out, like the dating apps and things like that, um, uh-huh. that because they've been popular here forever, and uh-huh. so it could be a cultural thing that's just like you know, it's just different there. Obviously, is it also is the cuffing season? a thing in the culture of korean culture like do is that something you see over in korea or is that just like an american thing
0: (laughs) it is a uniquely american term but it still exists in korea and actually despite living here and working here i am doing most of my work with clients from the states so working on the opposite side of the clock um one one thing about this line of work in Korea, you've got uh, potential language barriers. There's also, you know, apprehension in opening up, being vulnerable, um, getting coaching like this. So I found that my sweet spot is still clearly in the in the U.S., but still able to provide a little bit of support to, um, you know, some one-off clients, friends, um, friends of friends here
2: right because you've been there for a long enough time that you it seems like you're sort of you understand what's going on there and the cultural differences and how to sort of blend what you teach and what you speak to the Mm -hmm. different culture that is obviously not native to you Mm -hmm. so like if you are helping you know your clients in america with some questions like current topical ones would be cuffing season so how could You know, you help like singles find someone during a pandemic, especially with this pressure of cuffing season upon us, because we know you help people find love and how to date smarter and all that that we'll get into. But like, currently speaking, there is a pandemic and also everyone might be having this underlying stress of like, um. not only do is it hard to find someone during this like quarantine, but also we need to be with someone during the holidays. Ah, like pressure's on.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's more pressure actually, because when you're in the house or you have your options limited from a social standpoint, it becomes glaringly clear and obvious, uh, how much time you're spending alone. Right. And, and when you don't have someone and you're looking for someone, it's, it's, readily apparent and you feel that more often. And so uh, cuffing season is tough this year because uh, not only are you looking for someone to cozy up with and be more consistent with as the months get colder, depending on where you live in the States or the holiday season's approach and uh, friends are going to be gathering typically. There is also this pressure to be safe and to avoid catching the coronavirus um, and avoid kind of breaking some of the mandates that your uh, states or regions may have set in the U.S. And so the difficult thing that I'm seeing is around dating apps. Okay, so how do we get off of the dating apps? Another thing that I'm seeing is, oh, I have this ex that I'm kind of off and on with or still talking to. Should I hit them up and see if they're available or if they're seeing anyone? Um, because that's that's often seen as a, a short learning curve or a shallow on ramp to basically filling your time with someone going back to an ex, which I do not recommend. Um, and then you've got things like, oh, I met this person in in person out in the wild, but we might not be in that context again because it's a pandemic. It is hard, harder to move freely. And so a lot of people feel constrained with that. They feel this desire to get out there and date and meet someone new, but it's difficult. And so a lot of what I've been doing recently is, you know, helping people get off of the dating apps or still trying to find little ways they can meet people in person in a way that they're comfortable with.
1: What are some of those ways? Because I, Jen, am still single and always curious you know what people do and we've we talk about this on the show weekly as to how people are navigating dating and relationships during this pandemic and now obviously cuffing season throws another wrench in the holidays and people are battling sadness because of so many reasons and now we are worried that the holidays will cause its own uh level of sadness but what do you recommend people do in various states and and more states are starting to open up but then mm-hmm. others are you know, telling you there's a second wave coming. Right, right,
0: right. Yeah. So it really is ad hoc the way that the the states are going about this on a state by state basis. Here in Korea, things are pretty open and there is a, a relative return to normalcy um, where you can go out, you can sit at bars, go on dates, things like that. A few A few months or a few weeks ago, things were a little bit tighter, more constrained. In the States, for those things that you are able to do, those events, even daily events like going to get your coffee or taking your dog for a walk, things that you can do and maintain that sort of activity, things that get you out of the house, um, if you're still able to go shopping or um, go to work. So if you're on your commute, things like that, things that you are normally used to doing, it's in your routine. I encourage you to just be alert while those things are happening. Be open to serendipity. As you're going on on walks, just make sure that even though that you're alone, you're not really uh, concentrating only on yourself, right? You're paying attention to your surroundings. You're paying attention to the people while buying you. Because the great thing about this, uh, what you're going through is that you can be certain you're not going through it alone. So other people are looking for people to bump into as well. Some meetups in the states are still happening, right? And they're trying to, with various forms of social distancing, my encouragement is going to be feel comfortable and safe. Feel comfortable and safe. If your state uh, is encouraging masks and you feel comfortable in a mask, please wear a mask. We wear masks in Korea. It's culturally acceptable. We've had no problems with it here. One interesting little side effect is, not seeing the bottom of someone's face is really weird for dating yeah. and it's also really weird for attraction.
2: It's um, so weird.
0: It's it's very very weird. That allows your personality to shine through it allows you to get into a context where you may be away from other people and you are able to let your guard down a little bit and drop your your mask and so that they can see, you know, the full picture of your face because I've noticed there's not much you can tell by like the eye shot, right? Eyes and forehead. It's very, it's very difficult. And so getting into a, a situation or an environment when you can be a little more comfortable would definitely benefit you. If you're relying on bars to meet people, that's probably not the best place to just, you know, have your mask off or in a crowded restaurant or some other social gathering. Uh, It's probably not the best place, but a cafe, sitting outside, or taking a walk or hiking. Like you said, the weather is beautiful, right? We're not going to get this for, for much longer before we get into winter. So um, taking those opportunities to see and be seen just in your daily life and be open uh, to meeting someone. It doesn't always have to be through official channels like a dating app or like you know a, a setup with a friend. It can just be A meet you like like everyone wants anyway, but you have to be ready for that. If you don't feel comfortable with a guy approaching you because you are wearing your sweatpants or you feel like you don't look good, not saying you don't look good, but you feel you don't look good, then you are closing yourself off to that opportunity, right? If you aren't going to approach someone because you feel like it's you know, not your place or you weren't prepared to do that that day, then you're missing the opportunity. And so these are unprecedented times. And if you want to meet someone and you want to look open to being approached, then that's something that may take a little bit more consciousness and and effort, unfortunately, on the part of men and women, but to be ready for situations like that. Always imagine that you're going outside to have your picture taken at any time someone could take your picture and you want to look good. You want to look like you want to look energetic. You want to to look like you were prepared for the day.
1: I love that. I think that's great advice. And I, you know, we're in L.A., us specifically. And so like, there's a lot of walking around that we do. And I feel like I've seen more people out and about just to get fresh air because they're so sick of being in their homes. But now let's say you're actually going to go on a date with somebody. Do you have any suggestions for how to approach getting tested first? If somebody were to feel more comfortable going on like a one-on-one date versus, you know, just randomly, you know, bumping into each other in the street and, and starting to talk, but like planning for an actual date, can we say, hey, I feel comfortable going on a date with you if you get tested first? Or is that a weird thing to say? Is that the like new STD test?
0: <laughs> the the difficulty with that, um, so it, it could come off and sound like the new STD test, but the, the difficulty with this one in particular, and I am not going to linger here, but when you ask someone that or to go get a COVID test, there are certain implications to that, whether it's political, whether it's overall cleanliness, things like that. So it is difficult.
2: Oh, Because, because Elliot, you think that could be like offending somebody or like getting too personal before you're even at that point, or maybe insinuating like this person is interested in sleeping with me right away. So uh, why else would they be asking like things like that?
0: Well, you can always position it like, Hey, I want to hang out with you in person, but you're completely right. If it feels too soon, I think face, FaceTime dates, WhatsApp dates, um, video calls, everybody's using Zoom these days. That can be a great entree into uh, starting to see someone. So maybe go on one of those dates or two of those dates. You can stream Netflix together or you can play online games or you can just kind of connect with someone virtually, it's not a perfect solution, but it does allow you to chat with someone, get to know their personality, see their mannerisms face-to-face without a mask. And then if you do feel uh, comfortable asking that question, hey, I want to meet up with you. Um, Let's go out on a date. Do you mind if we go get our COVID test? Just to make sure that we are not going to turn into super spreaders or just to make sure that, you know, um, we we are keeping each other healthy. It doesn't have to sound super OCD. It doesn't have to sound uh, alarmist. It can be said with a sense of humor or a joke or hey, you know, because at the end of the day, this is a an issue. This is <laughs> this is a powerful illness that we're that we're dealing with a powerful virus, and so people have lost their lives. People have gotten very sick, and so for you to ask that, I think is reasonable. Just find a delivery method for that question that you're comfortable with.
2: Those delivery examples were great. And I love that you called um, some of these new forms of dating that have come out of this pandemic entrees. Like the FaceTime date is an entree that is so freaking perfect. And Jen and I love the FaceTime date. And we even actually even talked about it before the pandemic because it does feel like a natural, organic entree if you will to the meal of the date so that with that said we feel like you know the pandemic has made people date smarter in a way because they are doing like a FaceTime date and that before actually going out and that could be something that sticks even after the pandemic that's like a smarter way to tell if someone is going to be up your alley before you actually spend time and money and energy going on a date and and additionally dating fatigue is real. That's what you're trying to avoid by dating smarter. So Mm -hmm. how can people date smarter, not harder and, you know, spend their valuable time and energy and emotions more wisely?
0: Yeah. So you're exactly right. It's a great entree. And, um, yeah, I, I say that because I say that because it's also a great transition to get off of apps. So you get off of an app, if you met someone on a dating app, or even if you met someone in person, the chances that you find them in the exact same context or environment, especially during a pandemic, isn't all that common. So you go from chatting, texting, still keeping each other in the box in your phones or on your computer, but you're seeing them face to face. And then that's a very, very smooth transition into meeting in person. How to date smarter. I think cuffing season is an obstacle to that. To be honest, I think um, feeling like you need to be with someone or you really want to um, find someone for a serious relationship is an obstacle to that. The more we, the more urgency we feel, um, the more likely we are to take any and all comers uh, on as projects or on as potential partners and. That's one difficulty uh, I've seen come up for um, women that I'm advocating to date smarter. How do you do it? Uh, the first thing is you have to know um, what you want and what you don't want, and then set boundaries around what you see uh, that will be a deal breaker for you or non negotiable for you. The pandemic, dating online, doing FaceTime dates, that doesn't change anything about is this guy is this woman accept an acceptable potential partner for me are they a desirable potential partner for me and in order to know that you've got to think about past relationships you've got to think about the people you've recently dated that just didn't happen to go well and you also have to reflect on what it is what complaints come up about you or what do your friends say about you? Are you cold or short or is your uh, sense of humor a bit abrasive or something like that? Not saying change yourself, but you have to be very aware about that um, so that you can meet people that compliment you. Um, you can meet people that meet your standards and don't tick any of your or don't set off any of your deal breakers or non-negotiables. And so, If you're able to do that, your your pool shrinks. If it shrinks, a lot of people get anxiety around that because there's so many people around them dating and meeting people and so many matches happening and so many faces they're swiping on and seeing out on the streets. To severely limit your chances like that can feel threatening. But if you're going to a car lot and you're looking for a convertible, but you have to walk through row and row of minivans and SUVs, it's distracting, time-consuming, and just gets in your way. I'd rather them take all of those cars on the lot and just show me the the convertibles, right? And so even if there are fewer convertibles, even if there are fewer potential partners that meet your, your standards and your desires, you can get to the one you want much quicker and you're not wasting time Browsing, looking through the windows of minivans, looking at um, guys that that um, have a personality that doesn't quite match yours or a view on relationships that isn't complementary to you. And so that's where I would start, being very introspective and particular about what you're looking for and going after and what you won't accept so you can narrow your pool a little bit.
1: And so like, how do you recommend people do that with dating apps? Because we were given such little information and it's also like self curated, which some people in general, I'm like, what on earth were these choices for you to put that out there as your best self? So how would we go about evaluating those people if we're given very little?
0: Yeah, that is a, that is a great question. It's, it's going to be very difficult in the initial assessment. And filtering. There are some things that you can take from a profile, the type of photos that they use, the, the bio that they write. Um, and depending which dating app you're using, you can add more or less information. There are many, many filters and kind of a pre-matching uh, questionnaire. When you first get started on Coffee Meets Bagel, for instance, on Tinder, it's much less information and much more, just culturally, much more photo-driven. So depending on the app you're using, it's going to be very difficult to make that initial assessment. But think of your dating profile as an advertisement or a commercial. If you think about what compelling commercials or ads you've seen lately, they maybe they have a sense of humor or they make you laugh or you know they tell a story emotionally. Think about the story that you are telling with your dating profile and the story that the person you are assessing or about to swipe left or right on is telling with their profile. Are they telling pieces of their personality? Are they presenting what they want out of a relationship? If you can get those pieces of information, then you are a few steps closer. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes people will put six straight selfies and be done with it. If you're attracted to those selfies, you wanna swipe, they swipe on you. One of the things that you can do is be very intentional with your first couple of messages. For me personally, I had gotten into um, a string of dating a lot of women that weren't great matches for me. And when I met my wife, it was very important to me to filter on belief system. So. I'm a Christian and I wanted to date another Christian. So although she wrote that in her profile as one of her filters or descriptors, it can vary based on the person you meet. So my first message to her, we matched on a Sunday. My first message was, how was church? Immediately, she's like, whoa, this guy is too Christian. But she met me anyway (laughs) anyway. She met me anyway, and we hit it off like like no other. But it stated my intentions right up front. She answered the question. From that question, I get a sense of relief because I'm like, okay, this is a major non-negotiable for me. At least this this hurdle is passed. And then we enter into banter. And that banter is not planned. That banter isn't Christian banter. It's just two people that are digging on each other, bantering talking, um, exchanging ideas. But the reason why we were so comfortable moving forward is that expectations were set in the beginning. Um, I was maybe a little forward in the beginning. But if someone is attracted to you, if someone is interested in you, then they're not going to let that deter them or distract them.
2: I agree to that. I think if you say what you want and someone in it pushes someone away and you either, you know, go, Oh, I shouldn't have been so forward or a a girlfriend or or guy friend tells you, Oh yeah, you don't come on too strong. It scares people away. I think that's all BS that we tell ourselves to make excuses for people. I think that it, you have to say what you want. And if someone isn't going to like that, I mean, eventually you're going to get to that point where you say what you want. So it's either going to weed them out in the beginning or later on. And you're basically, you're trying to get through filtering people and, and weeding out the wolf and sheep's clothing. If uh-huh, you, know. uh-huh. you, you even have a uh, self-proclaimed like you were a wolf and sheep's clothing, like persona yes. that you used to have. And like, how, I guess that the fact that you were there and now you're, mm-hmm. you shed this persona, what advice, you know, that's a, that's an initial advice that would be great to like, just state what you want to sort of weed those people out. But how, what are other things that you can tell people to like spot a guy that's kind of wolfy, if you will?
0: Wolfy, wolfy guys. Yeah. It's, it's hard actually. Um It's really, really hard. And it, it takes, I don't know. Sometimes it takes being in close proximity, and not talking about like social distance less than two meters. I'm talking about um, some emotional attachment or investment. In that stage in my life, um, I knew exactly what, based on based on their conversations with me, or based on um, how they approach conversations. I would know exactly what the woman I was dating or attracted to wanted from me and I was able to navigate that balance or that dance if you will by presenting myself as um, the solution to their problems or kind of the round peg for the round hole and it wasn't intentional actually I'm I'm saying this now very articulately like it was intentional like it was planned but I don't think all wolf wolves in sheep's clothing are intentionally um, trying to mislead or manipulate or misrepresent themselves. I think they're lonely and they want connection and they want companionship and they know how to get it. And for me, it was uh, some great relationships resulted from that phase in my life, but at the end of the day, I, I couldn't get past the finish line. Meaning, you know, I knew I wanted to get married. I knew I wanted to have a serious relationship. But personally, uh, emotionally, psychologically, I wasn't ready for that type of responsibility in love. Um, I wasn't ready to show up like that. But I knew that's what I wanted. And I knew that's what um, the, the women I was dating wanted. Um, and so since I knew that, I was able to navigate and say, yeah, I want this too. Let's progress. Let's make plans. And then at the end, um, and I call it the end because it preceded a breakup. It's almost like this panic. Like we've gotten all the way to this stage and I'm not ready. Um, I've, we've gotten all the way to where it's time to start making some decisions. Are we going to stay or are we going to go? And I'm not ready to make a call like that. And so some ways that you can tell, if I'm going to tell them myself a little bit, is how consistent are they when they talk about what they want? A lot of men and women aren't speaking very explicitly about this now because, like you said, you're afraid to scare someone away. And they're like, ah, I want A, but what if I say I want A and they kind of want B? Would that scare them away? Maybe I should wait. Maybe they'll want aid later. Uh, I find that happening a lot with my clients where they will keep what they really want and desire under wraps. By expressing what you want and listening for their response. Now, once they get their response, a wolf will be able to match your response in kind. They're going to want the same things or they're going to want you know something similar that will keep you engaged and keep you in the relationship, whether it's dating or actual um, committed relationship. Now I want you to compare that with or align that with their actions. Now, if their actions are not supporting the the words that they're saying, if they say, "Oh, I'm committed. I want to do. Um, I want to be in a relationship. I want something serious," but some of their actions are perhaps manipulative, or they're not committing a lot of their time to you or brain space to you, then that's a red flag. Or If they say, and this is even more difficult, and, uh, and I notice a lot of clients have issues with this, if the guy tells you, oh, I'm not looking for anything serious, and then proceeds to act like a boyfriend to you, then that is incredibly dangerous. It's a wolf. It's basically getting the best of both worlds from you, getting this commitment, this super high efficiency in cuffing season and feeling um, comfortable with your commitment level that you're not going to run away all while not having to show their cards all while not having to commit to you. What
1: do you say to like women who see that potentially and say, wow, well, Maybe initially he felt that he didn't want anything serious, but we're just such a great match that he's changed his tune. And then they actually settle for this wolf in sheep's clothing over and over again. Like, What would we tell that person?
0: Yeah. So when a guy tells you who he is or what he wants, uh, when you're picking up on signs like that, believe them the first time. I like to say that you are not going to change a guy's mind for what they want. Not reasonably anyway. Of course, men can change. They can change what they want. People change what they want all the time. But you have to assume that you're going to invest years and tears from from trying to work through this and change his mind and through the disappointment. So if you see that, if they're saying, oh, I'm not ready for a relationship, or I want to just take things you know, casually and see where this goes, if that's not what you want, if you want something more serious, do not assume that they are going to just say, oh, I really like this, this woman. I, I want to be serious now. It doesn't quite work like that. Those are usually the relationships that precede their serious relationships. Think about if you have any exes and they weren't ready for a relationship or they weren't committed. And then the next relationship they're in, they get married.
1: That hit hard. When you said that, I was like, oof, we've been there. It was like a punch to the gut. I'm like, I remember that time in my life where I fell into this exact same situation and it lasted Two and a half years and should have lasted two days because I knew up front that it was not a scenario that would work out, nor nor one that I wanted to be long term anyway. But I kind of feel like it was similar to cuffing season. Like I fell into it. It was there. It was easy. Maybe I didn't want to, you know, put energy into dating other people. So I just stuck with it. And then it, yeah, it felt like it was getting more serious. And then suddenly it was for me, but he was still in the same position he was when we started. And then trying to meet me where I was, but it was like a lot of tension because we as we were in the beginning, not in the same place. And then we continued to not be in the same place. So, when you actually do find love, let's say you're both in the same place, why is falling in love so easy when all of the rest of it's so hard? And then why is staying in love also so hard?
0: Yeah. So, the falling in love, the being committed, um, the being extremely interested and in wanting to be with that person is easy. It's easy enough that, you know, you just mentioned you can be in a situation for two and a half years and you're feeling like everything is going in the right direction. It's easy to fall for things. I'm, I, a lot of this is, I think, just the language that we use on an everyday basis and kind of how our culture is. We fall in love with things every day and we've we've desensitized ourselves to the word love. We love this movie. We love this coffee. Um, we love this shirt. And, and so when we love someone or fall for someone, we're using the the initial reaction the initial increase in in heart rate to drive that that mental recognition of love and your mind is very powerful your mind can convince you of anything and so once you've heard yourself say ah i you know love this person or i you compare the feeling you have with them with the feeling you had with an ex or the feeling that you imagine when you imagine your future husband, then your mind can take that and run with it, and now your heart gets involved and you're you're invested. Now, staying in love is difficult because one, communication is difficult. So for those two and a half years, I, I'm I'm wondering if you're being explicit with each other about what you want, about what he wants. Communication is difficult. A lot of people have confidence and insecurity issues around expressing discontent and saying that they're they're not happy with, with something that's going on in the relationship because they are afraid of loss. They have a scarcity mindset. And so they'd rather stay kind of stuck in an unhappy situation than initiating a little bit of confrontation to get to a happier scenario and confrontation can be good it can serve us in love a lot because it sets forth our expectation and then we also have this culturally we have this disposable on demand unlimited supply type culture we're swiping on apps and the faces are almost endless maybe you get to the end and they say no more matches but that takes a while so you're always thinking there's something better out there, you're always thinking that if I just use another app, I'll see more faces. Our culture, from from Uber to food delivery to uh, ordering things online, it's it's difficult to see the scarcity um, of things in anything except for 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 dating. And so you've got this conundrum in your mind that's that's really confusing. So at once you're saying there's more faces. But because there's more faces, you are actually getting chosen less often. And so at the same time, you feel like I don't have many potential choices. So you see all these faces, very few matches or very few reasonable matches. And there's this confusion and turmoil you're feeling in your dating life that makes you want to hold on to bad guys or hold on to people that aren't a great fit. All while thinking if it doesn't work out, there are, you know, these ten apps that I can swipe on five hundred faces tomorrow. And it's really disorienting.
2: It's a weird cyclical pattern to get yourself in because you're basically saying, What you're you're feeling like there's not enough people and then there's too many people at the same time. And mm-hmm. and then it puts you like for those that are already in a relationship, let's say, that would be the perspective that um I I'm never going to potentially like I'm afraid to get out of this because I don't want to be alone and it's going to be so hard to find somebody like potentially there's not enough people per se like you know you don't know like I'm just afraid to go back out into that world right that's that that world and be- thought of okay I am afraid to be alone and I'm now settling correct like mm-hmm. in and people get into these patterns where they do that over and over and over again. Do you think that's more exclusive to like women versus men? And if you do think that, because I I tend to think that it seems more like a female thought pattern, maybe I'm wrong. And And how do women like not do that anymore? How do women go, I don't, I need to stop settling for like, a less than amazing man because Mm -hmm. I'm an amazing woman.
0: I, I think men and women deal with this issue. I think it is a uniquely, a uniquely difficult, uh, situation for, for women. And you've got a scenario where one men are sending unclear signals to women about what they want, right? They, they might want something long-term they w- might want um, you know, a fling, they might just want sex, uh, they might wanna date multiple people. And all of those things are socially acceptable. All of those things are socially acceptable. And so it's very easy for men to send those various signals also because they're confused themselves. For women, it's a little more constrained. We're becoming more and more empowered every day for what you can want and what's acceptable to talk about and talk about wanting, but you get to a certain age, you stay single for a certain amount of time. And you've talked about this on your show. People are expecting you to be in a committed relationship. People are expecting that the person you date at 35 is the person you're going to marry, right? Like quit dating around and get married or commit. And so you've got this, con- this limited set of options for women, I see more often than you have for for men. And so women are also pressured by biological clocks. I think there's a little more wiggle room than is generally ex- accepted or talked about. Um, but there's still this fear factor of what's going to happen. Um, I don't want to put my child in danger. I don't want to end up in a situation where I can't have kids, if that is something that you want. And so I've heard that a lot uh, recently as well. And so you've got all of these pressures around what's socially acceptable, what timing is, what things are supposed to happen and what timing, especially for women, that doesn't necessarily affect men, I don't think. Um, Not in the same way. And so women aren't making a conscious declaration that time's up, I'm settling now. They're not doing that. But again, you can convince yourself of anything. And so if you're not clear for what uh, exactly you, you want and what you will and will not accept, it is very easy to convince yourself of, well, I mean, he doesn't lie or steal or cheat from me. I mean, cheat on me. It's, he's fine. Yeah, I don't like this thing or that thing, or he's not exactly what I'm looking for. But it's Okay. He treats me well. I'm not super attracted to him, but I haven't been attracted to the last three guys I dated. And they begin to get into this, actually men and women, but we begin to get in this train of thought that, well, maybe this is the best I'm going to get. All my friends are dating or married. They're with great guys. So maybe all the good guys are gone. And this is the best that I can I can get. But still, you can turn that person that you're dating into the person that you want mentally because you turn off some of those receptors for the things that you don't like. And so all of your friends could say that you're settling, but you're less likely to admit that. And that's the problem because we're not so introspective in times like these
1: oh it's like a state of denial especially because it's self-serving when you really don't want to go out there and date and go through the process of the apps and listen I can tell you I agree with everything you were saying about the scarcity and like it's just such a dual like sword because there are so many options and then I even look at it and I'm like How do I have so many options and no one to date? Like, I just, how does that, Yeah, the math doesn't add up there and it is Mm. incredibly frustrating. And I think like what you're saying is women settle because they turn it into some sort of like hallmark version of the reality where they're like, well, there is some, you know, unique occurrences that have happened here and they make it a much more magical and attractive situation in their mind because they pick out whatever might be rare within that dynamic. Yeah.
0: You, you write your own story. And so, yeah, you, you won't, your friends may, may notice, "Ah, I don't think they're right for you. Um, But you know, you don't pick up on the fact that you're, you're settling as much as some of the people around you because you're like, Hey, this is, best guy out of the last five guys so maybe this is the the best that i'll get and also depending on your situation if you have dated five guys that were serious and then you're on number six or you haven't dated in a long time uh make sure you have good friends because they could just want you to you know be in a committed relationship too because they know you want one so they're willing to overlook some things as well and without that accountability from your friends or from your family, if they're on your side, so to speak, in that they just want you to be happy or they just want you to be with someone, then they can let a little, a lot of things slip as well that you're not going to notice until it's too late or until you break up and you're, you're thinking, oh, why did you let me date this guy? Or why was I dating this guy?
2: Setting your intentions is not only important to the person that you're dating, but to your village. We always say it takes a village to date. That you need to set your intentions with your village too, because then you break up with someone and you hear your girlfriends or guy friends going, Oh yeah, we hated that person. Like, or, or, you know, or we, we saw A, B and C and we didn't know that you didn't see that, or that's not what you wanted. Like set your intentions for yourself. So that it's clear to everyone around you, your friends, your family, and most importantly, the person that you're dating, but that's obviously the name of the game here. You need to be clear about what you want and that's, Obviously, the tip to how to date smarter not harder like it starts there and you know you have just been chock full of so many great tips and tricks and that's obviously one of the best ones and that's your your forte and if people want to dive deep into like some other questions that they might have or some other dating and relationship advice tips anything how can people find you and coach with you
0: uh, i am glad you asked so i can be i can be found online at ElliotDavisCoaching.com. Elliot, Elliot is spelled with two L's and two T's, by the way. Um, and then I can be found on Instagram at the underscore Elliot Davis. And so if you go to my website, DavisCoaching.com, you can actually sign up and schedule a free coaching session with me. And so on that call, we can talk through what you're going through. If it's a dating or sourcing issue, trying to find the right guys, if it's some other inner difficulties that you're working through, like insecurity or confidence, or um, you just tend to meet or entertain the wrong guys, we can also work through that and come up with a plan to, to make your next couple of dates, your next relationships so much better for you. So I encourage you to go in and grab a free coaching call with me.
1: And everyone needs to mention the It's Complicated podcast so that you can get that coaching session scheduled with Elliot, which, listen, we just talked to you for 45 minutes. And I'm like, I could totally talk to you for another 30 minutes or an hour or as long as you'll have me. (laughs) So thank you so much (laughs) for joining us, Elliot and everyone. Tune in next week for an all-new episode where we talk, of course, more dating and relationshipy stuff with our guests, Sistine and Sophia Stallone, hosts of the Unwaxed podcast. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And It's Complicated wherever you get your podcasts to rate and comment and, of course, tell a friend. Speaking of friends, Lauren, where can everyone find you? You Find me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meets. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meets. We'll be back next week. Love you long time. You're
0: listening to It's Complicated
1: with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and
0: Lauren Leonelli.